0: I'd like for you to turn to the second chapter of the book of Acts and um, I want to begin reading at verse 41 and we'll finish at verse 47. Most folk within the church uh, get along pretty well with God and uh, some of them get along pretty well with the preacher. But I don't know too many churches that don't have some people that have a problem getting along with one another. My favorite little ditty, you know, is, ah, to live and love with the saints above. Brother, that will be glory. But to live below with some of the saints I know, well, that's another story. (laughs) Uh, And that's pretty well true uh, in the church. We can get along pretty well with God and sometimes with the preacher, but it's kind of hard getting along with one another. I was reading not long ago, someone said that the modern church is kind of like a group of porcupines on a cold winter night. They come together for warmth and then they just, you know, go away from each other in what he called a kind of a slow religious dance and how wonderful it would be to have the coin on ear in the church and I have a pretty good uh, idea or suspicion that we're never really going to reach out and claim the world like we've wanted to do and some of us have seen that dream, dreamed that dream and had that vision of reaching This whole southeastern Oklahoma, we're not going to do that until we develop within ourselves, if not already, the true koinonia of the church, the true fellowship. Now let's read together verses 41 and following. You follow with me as I read from the New American Standard in the second chapter of the book of Acts. So then those who had received his word were baptized And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. And many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles and all those who had, who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. And day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. And I don't think it's any uh, accident that God was adding day by day to the church those being saved because when you have that koinonia, that true fellowship, then you're going to begin to see people added to the church being saved. I said it Wednesday night and I say it again tonight that the church, that Christianity is not something that people are persuaded toward, they are attracted toward. It's not going to be possible to persuade too many people to Christianity, but it is possible for them to be attracted to Christianity when they see it lived in the lives of Christians. Now if you have your um, sheet of paper, let's look at the ingredients that were found in the first church there were four basic ingredients that were being found in that first century church and those ingredients are described are listed in verse 42 in order to have a church you must have these things there was the apostles teaching there was teaching of doctrine and preaching of doctrine There was fellowship, koinonia is the word. There was the breaking of bread. They had fellowship in the sense that they ate together, but it also has reference to the observance of the ordinances and they had prayer. They joined together and they were people of prayer. Now then the author of the book of Acts then Defines or describes each one of these ingredients that were present in the church. For example, the teaching of the church is explained in verse 43. And everyone kept feeling a sense of awe and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. Teaching is explained. Everybody kept feeling a sense of awe Haven't you sensed that on occasion when you've come to where God's word was being preached? Just a sense that that feeling when you came into the auditorium that something unique and dynamic and wonderful was going to take place as God's word was preached And as you watched the people and saw the results of the preaching of the Word, it brought a sense of awe. They kept on feeling that. The fellowship of the church is explained in verses 44 and 45. They were together and they had all things in common And they begin to share all that they had with everyone as they had need. We were out visiting this week and we were visiting with a person who is involved in the nutrition in the senior citizen program here in town. And that person said, you know, it seems to me that if the church was really being the church, we wouldn't need any of these government agencies that we have. And I could not agree with her anymore. It seems to me that much of what is being done as far as governmental agency was really designed, the church was really designed to do that. And the breaking of bread is explained in verse 46. And they took meals from house to house with gladness and sincerity of heart. And then verse 47 describes their prayers. They were together praising God for the central, central to their prayers was adoration and praise. Now let that sink in a little bit. When they came together as the church, they came together for prayer And at the heart of their prayer was praise. Now they had a lot to be, you know, uh, uh, there was a lot of things they could have prayed for uh, in that first century. For persecution was rampant and need was great. But you see, They were taking care of one another's needs and they didn't have to ask God for Him to meet their needs. He was already meeting their needs through one another so they just spent their time in prayer praising Him. Now I want us to move from century 1 Christian to century 20 Christian. Now what is missing in the 20th century church? I say to you that we have teaching in the 20th century church. We have more, we have better trained teachers and better teaching going on in the church today, probably, than ever before. And at our disposal, at our disposal is the equipment, the the, the skills that are, are uh, available to the modern man. We have tremendous teaching in the church. We do have the breaking of bread and we do observe the ordinances and we do pray. The church is a church of prayer and fundamental to what we're trying to do at First Baptist Church is the prayer ministry of the church so that we have a prayer room where people engage in prayer. But what is conspicuous by its absence In the 20th century church, I submit to you that it is the koinonia, the fellowship. The being in one mind, sharing with one another as one has needs, having all things in common. The one thing that is dynamically absent is fellowship, koinonia. Now I want to say three things about this fellowship that was present in century one. First, whatever it was, whatever it was, it included everyone. It was available to everyone. There were no exceptions and there were no exclusions and there were no outsiders. It is amazing when you read the development of the Century one Church to discover that everybody is included and nobody is an outsider. Now when you consider the fact that there was an explosion going on in that first century church, and people were added to its fellowship by the thousands, and they didn't even have a place to meet for worship, it's amazing that all of them were together included. There were no exclusion. There were no outsiders. There there were none in the church that felt they did not belong. I wonder if that's true today in the church. The second thing about this fellowship is that it helped them together. It helped them together. Now there was persecution going on, political persecution, and the church was being fragmented physically. They were being scattered abroad. They had a lot going against them against them, the church had a lot going against it. It had some strikes against it. For in that fellowship of believers, there were people who were coming from all walks of life and one of the amazing things to me is that when you read the epistles, meeting in the same congregation, in the same fellowship were slaves and slave masters and they were, they were bound together with a cohesion that's remarkable and astounding. You didn't find fo- folks fussing in, in splinter groups. The fellowship held them together. Number three, it was meeting needs. It was a fellowship that was meeting needs. And it seemed to stand out to me that the thing that was chief, the chief concern in the first century church was the need of the members. I don't see that today in the modern church. I don't see it in this church, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think that we have come to the place where we are concerned, really concerned, about each other's needs. And I don't really think we're that concerned about anybody's needs except our own. But the fellowship of this church was centered around the fact that they were there to minister to one another and the needs of the people who made up the church was first and foremost to their concern. Now what do we mean by fellowship? The word koinonia, if you're following here in the definition, means partners, it means associates. And if there is one word that could sum up the w- and define the word koinonia, it would be the word sharing. So that a good definition of the word fellowship or koinonia is this, expressions of genuine Christianity freely shared among the family of God. Let me say that again because I want you to get that expressions of genuine christianity freely shared among the family of god now i'm going to say six things now and i'll do my best to do it in the 15 minutes that i'm allowed and i think it'll be mo- the f- i think that these 15 minutes might be the most important things you'll hear today what does the fellowship the koinonia include what's involved in it number 1 and by the way in the next six weeks or in the next five we're going to discuss each one of these separately on Wednesday night number one true fellowship koinonia in the church includes love and acceptance if you have your Bible handy there on your lap turn over to the third chapter of the book of Ephesians and look at verse 17 with me, the third chapter of the book of Ephesians. And just hold your place there because we're going to be looking, uh, uh, we'll be looking at several passages there in Ephesians. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled up to, the, to all the fullness of God. The fellowship includes love and acceptance. Now this sharing involves two things. It involves the sharing of something with someone and it involves sharing in something with someone. Now the sharing of something with someone is to meet a need that a person might have and I would have something that would meet that need. So out of generosity, I share that with him. But sharing in something with someone is to stand by the brother in his sorrow and share it with him and to stand with him in his joy and to share that with him. We're going to initiate and are now doing it, the Deacon Family Care Ministry. And the purpose of the Deacon Family Care Ministry is to enable us to begin to share in experiences of joy and sorrow with one another. Sharing of something, sharing in something. Love means seeking the highest good for the other acceptance is more of an attitude than it is an action somebody told about the time that he he just decided he would investigate the truth of the of the uh, principle of communication that says you get more out of tone of voice than you do out of words and so he got his dog a little old dog he held it in his lap and he said i i i let everything get kind of calm and peaceful, and I said to the dog, I love you. And said, the dog, you know, jumped and took off running, scared the dog to death. And he said a little bit later, he he got the dog, calmed the dog down, set the dog on his lap and said, I can't stand you. And if I ever get the chance, I'm going to put you to death and a dog you know just laid there just just calm and peaceful and the point he made was that words really don't mean a lot now we can stand in our places on Sunday morning and we can stand in the pulpit and we can talk all the day long about how we love one another and how we love the students at the college, and how we love the lost. But listen, folks, words are cheap and don't really amount to much. Love and acceptance in the church is a matter of action and attitude more than it is word. It is reaching out to seek the highest good, and it is, and it is acceptance in the
1: attitude, in the, in the matter of attitude. Secondly, the second thing that koinonia involves is honesty and humility. If you flip over to the fourth chapter of Ephesians, let's read verse 14. Honesty and humility. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness in deceitful scheming, honesty and humility. Now, what do we mean by honesty? We mean the willingness to be open to one another, to be vulnerable. To one another, to be misunderstood, the willingness to be misunderstood, to be rejected, the willingness to open up our lives to one another, that's hard to do. Isn't it? And so we come together on Wednesday night, and I ask you to stand if you have a hurt or a need and just share that with the family of God and that hard to do. We just can't do it, can we? You know, it's hard for me to stand here to say to you, I'm hurting, and I'm vulnerable, and I have needs. Did you ever watch Thurman Munson play baseball? He was that hard-nosed catcher of the New York Yankees, killed in a tragic uh, airline or uh, 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 plane crash a couple of years ago. One of the characteristics of Thurman Munson was that if he ever got hurt, he wouldn't let anybody know it. And so he'd take a foul ball right on the right on the knee, and you know, it just you could tell you know, just break that break his kneecap nearly, but he'd never rub it and he'd never he'd never grimace. He'd never show pain. He was hurting, but he wouldn't dare rub it. There's some people tonight who make up the family of God who are hurting, but they wouldn't let anybody know it to save their lives. The kind of church that's attractive to the world is the kind of church where people are free and open and vulnerable and honest who are able to say, I am a human being and I am prone to sin and I have hurts and wounds, would you care for me? What does it mean to be humble? Well, I don't know how to define it, but I can give you an illustration of it. And it's found over in the New Testament in the Gospel of John. And it's when Jesus knelt and watched his disciples feet somebody said we have foot washing attitude and we'd like to get this you know we'd like to wash their feet in ice cold water you know or scalding water <laughs> boy i'd like to wash your feet and i'd have me a pan of scalding water and i'd just hold them there that's kind of the attitude some folk have honesty and humility there's a third characteristic of cornonia, and that is concern and restoration. All oh, you talk about, folks, we're getting, we're, we're moving from the lower to the greater. Now watch this, concern and restoration. If you will flip over to the sixth chapter of the book of Galatians, you'll find it there in the first verse. Brethren, even if a man is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Each one looking to yourselves, lest you too be tempted. Concern and restoration. What if some member of the family wanders away? What about the person who fails in the family? Does that break your heart? And where has gone the concern and the restoration that would cause us to go out to that man who's left the church or who's fallen by the way and say, I'm concerned about you and I want you I want you back. I was out visiting one day, and a fellow was telling me about he and his wife had, had some problems, and he said, you know, nobody came, nobody came to say, we're concerned about you, we care about you. You know what it means to restore there? You know what that, Greek, what that word means in the Greek? It's the picture of the mending of a net. It's the picture of the setting of a broken bone and in the care and tenderness recognizing that we ourselves might fall into the same temptation, the caring of the wayward. Concerned restoration. Does it bother you that there are hundreds of people who make up the church rolls of First Baptist Church, who have just quit. Does that bother you? Does it bother you tonight that some of the members of this family of God have fallen by the wayside? And have you done anything about restoring them? Number four, we'll get four, five, and six, and then we'll quit. Number four is confession and forgiveness. If you'll turn over to the book of James, chapter 5, verse 16. You'll read with me, Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of righteous men can accomplish much confession and forgiveness, and it's a two-sided coin. It's to go to that one or to sit down with that one and say, I've got to make a confession. I've got to confess my sin to you. What I thought of you, how I've hurt you, I'm sorry. Would you forgive me? Now I know you can go to see and these things become gossip sessions, but folks, it means scripture, I didn't say it. That the dynamic of a healthy church is when the people of that church are willing to stand and say, "I've wronged you. I need your forgiveness," and then to forgive one another. Now I don't know how, I don't know if it's true in this church or not, but I don't know of any other I don't know of many churches where it's not true. There have been times, and there have been places, there have been occasions when you've gotten feelings hurt, and there have been some harsh things said in the past, haven't there? And there have been some wounds. It might be time to get those wounds healed and to get those, and to make that forgiveness known. Number five, encouragement and availability. Characteristics of koinonia, encouragement and availability. The spirit of competition must be broken down. And I'll give you an example of encouragement. It's in the 11th chapter of the book of Acts, and it's the occasion, it's, the, it's the, the story of Barnabas, the son of consolation. And I can give you an illustration or an example of availability. And his name was Jesus. And finally, the sixth characteristic of the fellowship of the church is informality and flexibility. Now let me just spend a little time there. Informality and flexibility. Now I know it's uh, you know I know you can have a you can have a church that uh, that you know there's just no order to it at all and it's just chaotic. But I know you also that you can go to seed on formality. Somebody said we have orders of service because, you know, so that um, the Holy Spirit would know what we're supposed to do next, you know. eh? Whoever said that we had to do it the same way all the time? Informality. It seems to me that the lively, dynamic churches that I've attended were churches that were informal and flexible. didn't have to do it same way all the time. And spontaneous. If somebody just wanted to stand up and praise the Lord, they had that freedom to do it. Koinonia.
0: The freedom to allow the Holy Spirit to do his work without, without being quenched. Now, on Wednesday nights, we're going to take, last week we talked about love and acceptance. This next Wednesday night, we're going to talk in detail about honesty and humility. And I hope that you have the desire that I have, and I think you have, that the church will become the koinonia that will be attractive to the world. Would you join me in prayer? We'll be dismissed. Father, it's so exciting to come together like we are tonight and to open up your word and to discover what it's really like to be a church. Oh, Father, I pray that you'll give us love and acceptance,
1: a love that reaches out for the best of others, and an acceptance that would include all people. Give us an openness and an honesty, freedom to be open to one another, to be transparent. Father, give us concern, a concern that would restore the fallen and bind up the wounded. Oh, Father, I pray that you'll give us the koinonia, the fellowship that so characterized that first church. And we join together our hearts tonight in our prayers to say, Father, give us the New Testament church. Because I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You're dismissed.